All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101Insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, everybody, all you good, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation, it is your hosts, Bryce Paul and Pizza Mind, coming at you with another kick-butt episode here of the Crypto 101 podcast. Uh, Pete, are you hunkering down over there? You're surviving these Southern California fires. Uh, we're lucky that we're not in San Francisco or further up north, but you're good over there in your neck of the woods? Oh, I, I honestly don't feel so good today, Bryce. Uh, I think I invested in some bad sushi and my stomach is just churning really bad. <laughs> I was up all night. Oh, just awful. But anyway, right. if, if you got something that can make me feel better, can you go in the cabinet and find me something that's fundamentally sound and actually is doing good things for the world? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, we're recording this. It's September 15th. Uh, sushi is being completely, completely falling off a a cliff here. Um, But it's one of those projects with anonymous founders and kind of behind, you know, very cloaked and veiled. Um, And I I, I don't know. I I don't think that it's got a long staying power. And one of the things that we talk about when we talk about just fundamentally strong coins and projects and stuff, we always look uh, for conversations with the founders and people that have defensible reputations and stuff on the line, right? Like that's a real company. So Pete, why don't you introduce our guest here today, CEO and co-founder of Fetch AI, Humayun Shake. Well, I would, but you just did. I just did. Humayun, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. How are you hey. doing today? It's been, it's been great to be invited and really appreciate your time, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm not, um, yeah, I've not had any sushi. I'm thinking about <laughs> So let's see how that one goes. <laughs> Fantastic. We're, we're glad to hear that you're safe. Yeah. So, so tell us, what, 
What were you doing that inspired you to co-found Fetch.ai? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite an interesting um, story how things come about, and I think most founders would have these stories. But um, we, I was uh, I was interacting with two or three different things, which actually then uh, suddenly started to find some correlations and started to connect. So my background is computer science. Um, I've trained as a um, programmer. But then I was looking and I was working with uh, Demis and we were building these um, uh, machine learning algorithms and we were talking about uh, doing something quite interesting in the gaming area. And I had a commodity trading um, history where I was uh, writing algorithms for commodity trading. And um, we were having this conversation where uh, my other co-founder, Toby Simpson, uh, who was writing a massively multiplayer online games? Uh, he was, you know, uh, and we were we were discussing how uh, nice it would be to bring all of this together and actually deploy software agents, which could actually, um, you know, we could actually do some really cool and clever stuff uh, on their own, and really could help uh, improve the quality of life. You know, stop doing the menial tasks. And it sounded like a sci-fi project, but it actually then evolved. Um, as we looked more and more into it, it became very interesting. Um, at that time, I was involved with DeepMind. And I was looking at commercializing some of the um, artificial uh, general intelligence that these guys were building. And it became very clear that um, it's, it's not as easy to bring AGI to the world uh, without a a fabric to deploy it on. So you could build uh, all these, uh, uh, you know, compute intense algorithms, but to bring them to the real world where everybody can benefit from it, not just big corporates, um, you, need, you need a deployment fabric. And so that's really the start of Fetch AI. So we started building that deployment fabric where you could actually start deploying machine learning, AI, AGI, collective learning and you can bring it all together so that it starts to interact with each other and actually starts to make impact for normal people, not just big corporations who sit on a lot of data. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack right there. For me, just like at the outset, I realized that there's like, you know, AGI, artificial generalized intelligence. Then there's just artificial intelligence. I don't know the difference there. So I'll probably ask you to explain that. I think a lot of people have curiosities about that, but then you have collective learning and neural nets and machine learning. So there's all these big different ideas like kind of floating around, but they, what would you say they all fall under? Like the, like the kind of the parents to all that is just maybe just data analysis and maybe the ideas that you're, you're talking about of like how all of this stuff is making life better um, like, what is it all doing to make our lives better? Like, how is that all working? I have my own uh, opinion, and I think a lot of people might not agree with this, but I'll give you a very uh, layman's opinion in terms of how I see all of yeah. this. Yeah, the more layman's terms we could get, the more analogies we could get, the happier everybody will be, I think. That's what you'll get from me. So if Perfect. you think about data analysis, and if you think about, uh, you know, looking at historics and then learning from that historics, Historics, I would say that's machine learning. So what you're doing is you have huge amounts of already 
um, executed data, you, you read that data, you find correlations, you can find, uh, you know, and, and it's obviously not a small field, it's a vast field. You could just look at time series, you can do analysis on that, you can look at several, you can find correlations, you can look at your data, you can see, you can see what, the, what the input and output needs to look like. So that's kind of machine learning. Now, when you come to uh, decision making, that's AI. So you actually have the ability to make a decision. So now, um, you know, the very basic form of that would be if this, then that, right? If this happens, do this. So that's, that's the beginning. That's the, the, the root of AI. Uh, obviously, it's a lot more complex than that because now you have um, AI which can do things on their own. So, for example, a car can start braking if something happens. Uh, that's more into the AI space. Now, AGI is the general intelligence, which is how can the machine learn like a human? So it's a child who learns to evolve and they learn to evolve in different circumstances. They learn to evolve with different environments. And that process where it can have different types of transferable learning. So you learn something, you learn how to pick up a, a cup, you can now pick up a chair. So, you know, that's more a general intelligence uh, kind of space. So, so that's the three categories. But, but, but to understand um, a little bit more how they're connected, AI and AGI need to make decisions. They make decisions based on predictions. Now, this word, predictions, people, some people will take uh, offense of me saying it, but I'm just trying to explain what the situation is. So if I said to you, uh, make a decision, either you're going to go out in a rain jacket or not, or a t-shirt, that's a decision a human makes. But a human makes that decision based on a prediction. And the prediction is, if you think it's going to rain outside and there's a 90, 99% chance it's going to rain, you'll take a raincoat. And if the prediction is that there is 25% or 15% or 10% chance, then you might not. So every AI decision or every AGI decision for that matter is based on prediction. Now, this is not this, you know, you could, you could, you could kind of elaborate and generalize and call it a prediction marketplaces. And a lot of people use it in a different terminology, but that's, that's the link. So machine learning actually delivers the predictions. AI looks at the prediction, make a decision, and AGI learns more and more from those decisions and evolve from those decisions. So that's three distinctive parts. So hopefully that makes sense in a, in a more generalized way. Yeah, it does. Um, I feel like I finally understand now. So thank you for clearing that up. Uh, but there's still like a lot of worry and fear that AI can evolve, is it going to take over? You know, we're always afraid of things we don't understand. So while we've got the expert on here, I have to ask, is there any reason to be afraid of AI either in the present or the future? It's a, it's, it's a difficult one to answer, but I would say let's have a look at Terminator, Skynet. Um, <laughs> it, the movie was made, I think, for 2020. I think it was in 2020. That's all these things were happening. Well, I don't see that happening right now. Um, I, I think that even the, even the cars which are driving on the road are not clever enough to do, drive themselves fully. So I, 
don't think we have that risk just yet. Um, well, do we have that risk at all? That's my opinion, which is that yes, because I think with the increase in different technologies, with the increase in compute power, and with the AGI, if the AGI does evolve in the way it we expect it to evolve in the sense that it does start learning and it does start doing things on its own, then the danger is perhaps not in that much of, you know, the, the robots will come alive. It's more that because of certain ways it's been trained and evolved, you know, it might end up doing things which are uh, not always that beneficial to humans. But, but that's also a subjective matter. I mean, if the AGI has evolved in a certain environment and it doesn't see something wrong with something, then the other environment might see it completely the opposite way. Is, is, is that AI evil or not? How, how do you make, make sure it's evil or not? I mean, I give you a very basic example and I'm not saying that's what it needs to be. So if the AGI is developed in a, in a white nation, the AGI will learn from that white nation and not from any other colored nation. So, you know, there are subtle differences. And as you, as you train these uh, algorithms, these subtle differences could be amplified quite a bit. And that's the danger, which I feel is very real. <clears throat> so, does, you know, does, does yeah. blockchain come in to kind of alleviate any of those potential fears or worries? Um, yeah, and, and that's, that's a good question, yeah. Because you just kind of led into what I <laughs> kind of um, wanted to say. What what is so so to to enable all, all inclusiveness, you need to have a fabric, which is where I was um, saying what what we need. Uh, the fabric needs to be all inclusive. So it it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how um, in what region and how you interact with it, it needs to be an open system. So it needs to be a decentralized system, in effect. So I get this question asked a lot. You know, you just jumped on the, the blockchain bandwagon. But now let's just think about it, right? If you're going to have, uh, let's, let's say just some AI, some AI, small amount of AI learning from each other, you know, you do need to have an open decentralized system, right? And we'll come come into a bit more what Fetch does, uh, and you'll understand perhaps a bit more. But uh, you need blockchain. Now, why do we actually need blockchain? I mean, any decentralized system whereby the control doesn't live with the centralized entity uh, should do the same. And yes, it it is correct. That's you know, it, as long as it's decentralized, then and nobody, no certain uh, specific set of people is control, are controlling it, that's okay. Um, but we found that blockchain was a, a very, very good and a very solid fabric where you could connect these different intelligences to learn from each other. And that's why we kind of tried to merge the two. Yeah. And let's, let's dive straight into that. I remember um, when we were kind of speaking prior, uh, there was a conversation around these economic agents and you had a good analogy, and the economic agents are kind of these, um, almost like the nodes on your network. Um, and the analogy that really struck me was that of like a travel agent, something that, you know, who knows your preferences, who makes your decisions, um, you know, 
they quicken the pace of your decision-making because they have all that information. They know your preferences a little, and that was kind of an analogy between your system. So could you kind of walk us through your system? Yeah. So, so, so what are we building? So let me just lay out that framework first. So, so what we're building is a, a framework where software agents can connect to each other. They can find each other. So it's a search and discovery mechanism and they can exchange economic value with each other and they can learn from each other. So, and, it, and, and, and it sounds simple, but to do it in a decentralized fashion where all stakeholders have different incentives is not the easiest of tasks. But, but let's say that that exists now, which Fetch Fabric exists, which is our agent framework. What, what that enables you to do is you could, you could run a light client, and I'm going to try and not just keep calling them agents. Like it's, it's a piece of software. It's a light client, which could actually sit on any of your devices, and it actually has a task. And what we call them is autonomous economic agents, which is different from autonomous agents, which is the autonomous agent doesn't necessarily have to have an economic value exchange. But for this whole thing to actually take commercial make commercial sense, they have to exchange economic value. And the reason why that is the case is most of our incentives are based at the moment on economics. So we're talking about money, we're talking about creating value, we're talking about exchanging value, buying something, selling something. So if you're going to give these agents the power to make a decision on your behalf, you need to give them also a method of economic exchange, which cannot be uh, gained, which 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 is which is kind of in alignment with the incentive mechanism of that fabric. So that's really the autonomous agents. Now, so what can we do with these autonomous agents? So I gave you an example of a travel agent, and I'm just going to kind of elaborate a little bit on that. But let's start from a let's start from a, a ride-hailing kind of facility, for example. So, so what happens is, um, let's say the likes of Uber or Lyft, they sit in the middle. And why do they sit in the middle? Is because you're enabling this gig economy. You're enabling uh, individuals to take their own tasks. And then on the other side, you're providing this consumer, the facility that you know you have on tap. You wanna you wanna hail a ride. You can do it from your app straight away. And what the, the, the aggregator in the middle does, it actually tries to find and connects to each other. Um, and and that's for, for that, they take 10%, 15%, whatever that, um, whatever that incentive is. Now, why that needs to be done that way is because there is no decentralized, decentralized fashion, which is efficient in search and discovery and in making an efficient um, model which connects the consumer to be the, the, the provider of the service. This applies to everything. So, so now you think about, I have an agent. You, we all have an agent. I, I am your service provider and you're the consumer. Um, your agent knows your preferences. You can, you can train the agent to know your preferences. And you want a cab. Um, you just you know, enable that agent to find you a cab. And you enable the negotiation. So the agent goes out and actually find 
Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Eufy Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recording, Recordings, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Your account because let's say the service provider also has an agent and you can connect with each other. That gets rid of that aggregator in the middle, which is the intermediary, which is collecting the, the incentive of connecting the two parties together. Now you don't need it because your endpoints, your autonomous agents, are clever enough to find each other because there is this middle fabric which exists. It applies to many things. It applies to, uh, you know, hospitality, you want to book a hotel, you want to travel, you want a flight, you know, every seat can sell itself. I mean, now you can start extending it to many things, you know, why do we need, uh, you know, um, booking.com? Booking.com is an aggregator which connects all these hotels 
they control the price. There is front running involved because they can go and buy uh, much cheaper. Uh, you know, front running doesn't just relate to, I guess, uh, you know, just basic uh, financial trading. It also applies here. They could go and buy. Uh, you know, they can help buy the hotels. They can they can control the price. The the hoteliers don't like that. They they want transparency. They want to be able to take. And and with this whole uh, travel, um, you know, downturn with this whole COVID, it it becomes more and more difficult for hoteliers to manage uh, and find their the the customer um, going through the aggregator. So this kind of really gets rid of it. This is the new way uh, where the AI can now start living with you. So you don't have to look at big companies that they're going to crunch the data and they're going to give you the options. Because the, the problem with that is your incentives are not their incentives, right? So they're giving you the options and your, your choice is limited. So we're now changing them, we're turning it on its head and we're making it much more efficient. Uh, yes, there will be commercial challenges, but this is a new era. Yeah, what I really love most about decentralization is that it removes that really expensive middleman that manipulates things in their favor. When I started out as an entrepreneur, uh, I had a mentor and he said, always be the middleman because you're going to take the biggest cut of the profit and do the least amount of work. If you're going to be in business, that's the place you want to be. I hope you got rid of that mentor. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was the best advice that he ever gave. Uh, really. And it was very successful. He was, in business by himself for like 40 years, simply just having someone else supply and someone else build. And he just simply handled the sales of it all. So, but then that's what our world economy is built on, but Absolutely. it's not fair. It's not right. The people creating the value should be the ones that are retaining most of it. And through decentralization, it's also going to be better prices for consumers. So I think that's yeah, I mean, awesome. I, I, I know the same space because I've been in commodity trading for a long time. So um, I, I, I agree the advice was absolutely correct, but um, I, think, I think we, um, as, as everything evolves, we are, we're now evolving to a space where uh, it's, it's becoming less important, especially with the technology which has existed till now, where you enable these big entities to kind of become so powerful. That has to change because you can't have such powerful entities. We've gone from countries uh, to corporates now. So the controlling power is not with countries these days, it's with corporates. So I assume the FET token is the economic exchange for data in this ecosystem, correct? Uh, not, not necessarily. So the, the value of the FET token is that you, you, have to, um, have, you have to run this framework and there is a cost of running this framework and people are not going to run the nose. People are not going to run the whole network unless you pay them uh, the cost and a profitability, right? It's not, it's, it's nowhere near the intermediary cost of 15, 20%, but you still need to maintain that uh, actual infrastructure, the whole thing. So, so the node uh, hosting has come at, comes at a cost and that cost needs to be covered. So, so Fetch, um, as a utility token, enables you to run uh, this whole thing. And, you know, it's like the oil, the gas, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the agents to do a task because they're going to go out, they're going to do a search and discovery. 
and they're gonna you know send messages so they, there is obviously a communication uh, communication burden uh, communication overhead there's going to be you know how it connects to the networks that overhead how do you do the search that overhead so fed token pays for all of that so you need to hold the fed token to do that um, we are working on some very interesting um, ideas whereby we're using fed token to kind of create a a more stable mechanism of value exchange. So, because, you know, if you're booking a taxi, you don't want to take a risk on Fed price, right? It's, uh, it's, it's silly to do that. So we're coming up with, uh, with a mechanism where we stabilize the price. And, and, and we're quite happy. We're, we're, we're agnostic. You can pay it in uh, any cryptocurrency. You can pay it in USDT, stable coins, non-stable coins. So Fed doesn't interfere with that. That's not... That's not our objective. Our objective is to provide that framework where you can run, uh, where you can run this new economy that we're bringing to life. Awesome. And does the FET token have any governance capabilities as well? No, FET token doesn't have uh, as such any governance. It's very much, it's just, uh, you just see it as gas. So that's, that's all it has. And you can build projects on top of FETCH, which is where the governance token comes in. For example, we are, we're just launching a uh, commodities exchange, which which is powered by Fetch technology, and on that commodities exchange there is a governance token called MetalX token. So that's a governance token, and every every um, project, every spin out, every vertical you create can have its own governance token because one governance doesn't apply to all. You know, if you have, if you're looking at travel and hospitality, the governance there is a lot different to a governance in commodities exchange or, you know, trying to trying to do something else in a, a completely different sector. So you need to um, you need to have that flexibility to create new markets and every vertical, every market should have its own governance. So so is um, the Fetch AI token built on its own blockchain or is it on the Binance chain? No, it's, it's built on its own blockchain. It's, uh, but again, our focus was not necessarily to build a chain. We are, again, interoperability is quite a key here. Uh, mm. What we have is a chain which can... So, so when, when we started the project, I mean, if you look back uh, two years ago, 18 months, 19 months ago, uh, the chains were quite limited. Um, the transaction speeds were limited. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, okay, Visa does 4,000 transactions or 5,000 transactions per second, and somebody can do, you know, another 5,000 transactions per second. But now you think of this deployment where you have agents for everybody. They're doing multiple tasks all the time. They're doing, they're going, they're going to a weather station, getting a weather prediction and enabling you to get a taxi, uh, which is in the right time at the right place, using these predictions, buying predictions, uh, transacting with predictions. You need millions of transactions per second, uh, not not thousands, because this is not just a let's make a payment here and there. It's it's about it's about agents' life, and it has to be to for it to compete with the centralized system. It has to have that kind of transaction speed. So we built that. With that in mind, and we added sharding to the whole system so that we can scale it linearly. Uh, and but but having said that, there is no 
we are not a chain agnostic. We are are open to any chain. We are open to any interoperability. If you want to deploy on something, you want to use our uh, agent framework, uh, you you can deploy the agent framework on Fetch, and then you can operate with anybody. So, for example, one of our key and this is, this is not some main thing we are launching. Um, if you think about agents, they need oracles because they need data, they need general right. oracles. Uh, so we have, a, we, have a, we have a network with deploying of oracles, which people can run. It's just an oracle network for generalized use, not, not something like uh, Chainlink or you know, other guys do. Uh, they're more uh, related to the price of crypto commodity or crypto uh, or, or other things but this is more a generalized uh, agent and built by the agent for the agent kind of oracle so that's the difference but you can deploy all these tools on fetch chain but you don't have to be tied to the fetch chain you can run an agent which which can go and make a transaction on ethereum smart contract so that's quite that's that's quite a key here because yeah. okay, I think but, a lot I think a lot of the power that really a lot of these kind of 2.0 and 3.0 blockchains are going to have is that interoperability feature. I mean, we've been talking about that since the beginning of the year. Just if it does, if your project doesn't have that, then it doesn't have a future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And and what we're saying is that you can use this agent. Uh, framework to create that interoperability. So you, you can have a very specific niche, but you can still operate with Ethereum, which takes an hour to complete a transaction and $100. So you can still, if you fancy doing it, you, you're most welcome to do it. Uh, why you want to do it is another question. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would want to continue to do that. So when Binance came out with their smart chain and said, hey guys, you can migrate over here in three easy steps, my jaw just dropped. I mean, that was a power move of the year from CZ. So we'll see how many projects actually make the migration. I think a lot are going to be forced to, or they won't be able to continue to survive with these insane eth- Ethereum gas fees. There's just so many alternatives to Ethereum now. Um, with just it just makes Ethereum like even though that's where a lot like you know it is the largest open source developer community in the world, and they have like that sort of network effect, but I mean, this I is kind of a tangent, but the ETH 2.0, like who knows? <laughs> we are all waiting for ETH 2.0. Because yeah. You could put a lot in, but then Binance goes and does the chain. So, I mean, we, we work with that chain quite a lot. We, we just released, uh, it's, not, it's not out in public yet, but we, we're just um, about to release it. It's a random beacon for Binance chain. So you can, so you can actually use uh, true randomness. Uh, it's, it's kind of sitting on on Fetch Network, but it's operating with Binance Chain. So you can you can ask for a random number generator and you can get a truly random number and it's all integrated in uh, Binance Smart Chain. So you could you could you could you could uh, derive it from the Fetch chain, which is a lot which is which is a lot faster and uh, a lot more secure in the sense that you know the randomness that is generated, but you could use the same thing in Ethereum or you can use it in Smart Chain. Yeah. It's it's one of those things uh, when, when I was working at a blockchain company prior that I didn't realize 
was it like a mathematical issue was like generating provably random numbers, but apparently uh, everybody's probably listening to like random numbers. I like, seem so trivial. Just like pick a number out of a hat. It's not that simple folks in computer science. There's uh, there's quite some difficulties. Yeah. If you're doing DeFi and you want to do the DeFi correct so that nobody's in control of it, the randomness, we released a paper where we, it's a provable randomness and we're integrating it with Binance chain. Um, and I think we've probably just, going to announce it next week or something uh, but that's 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 already happening and, and and again that's very necessary for agents to operate as well well congratulations for that very important milestone yeah before we let you go i i do want to know what's up next on the roadmap uh we, we do have a couple closing questions uh but i want to know what's up next on the roadmap what can we expect are there any certain uh you know milestones that you have coming up in the next couple months that we could keep tabs on yeah, sure. So, so we we took a we took we took a, a a different strategy than most most projects, um, because we have yes, sorry, why we're we doing what we're doing. So the strategy was that um, AI agents all futuristic, right? But you still need commercial deployment. You still need you still need to take all that technology and actually start using it. Um, in the simplest form as quickly as you can. So we took two routes. So we took a, uh, a DeFi, FinTech, or CeFi, whatever you want to call it. It's a blend of all of these things, but because it's based on blockchain, you have to call it DeFi, I guess. Um, so we have that vertical, and then we have a, a very um, real-world commercialization vertical. Now, um, and we're progressing them quite together effectively. So on one side, we're launching a, a commodities exchange, which is de decentralized. We're bringing real world commodities and we're creating this easy way of trading those derivatives, the spreads uh, or any instruments uh, and bringing all the commodity traders and other kind of traders, insurance traders, onto the system. And the reason why we're doing that is because a lot of the technology we build for the agents applies for the traditional uh, markets of decks and everything else. So we, we deployed that because that's a, that's a now thing. And we want, it, we want us to be commercially successful. So we launched a governance token, which is the MetalX token. Uh, and then within that vertical, the next um, we will do is once, once we have gone through the, the process of decentralized exchange we have a, another project called atomics which is spinning out which is a, a real asset real world asset lending platform so you know you can take uh, real commodities supply chain finance you can because don't forget supply chain finance is best done when you can get information from each component of the supply chain that's where the agents come in so so now you have agents which are, which are notifying of any change, notifying of any um, supply chain components, and you can then finance that. So we're building that finance kind of um, component of our uh, project. And on the other side, we then have is something quite different, which is uh, we're building a uh, transportation uh, model around agents because transportation, traffic, um, is all based on uh, multi-agents because every car is an agent. If you think of it, even if you're humans, we're still interacting multi-stakeholder system. So we're looking at 
providing, uh, again, a connected fabric for autonomous driving. Um, because autonomous driving, what you can see visually and react to visually is only one thing. But what you can't do is you can't see uh, 10 cars ahead. And what we're creating is a fabric which enables you to do that. So you can actually see 10 cars ahead. That is, That's, <laughs> that is really fascinating. Man, I'd love to talk to you for another four hours, but I don't want to take you away from building this uh, amazing technology. The future. Yes, too much longer. But if I can, just want to squeeze one last question in. Uh, we're going to have a lot of crossover in our listenership in this episode. We're going to have a lot of people from the AI and machine learning and development communities that maybe are hearing a crypto podcast for the first time. If this was the first crypto podcast, someone kind of getting into the space had heard, what would you want them to know about this industry in particular? Can you leave us with uh, some words of wisdom? Um, it's a difficult one. Um, <laughs> it's it, unlike any other one you probably ever worked in. There is, there is, there is a lot of, um, there is a bad press out on crypto. It's not all that bad. Don't look at just um, the food items. Look at something really good that is happening as well. I mean, we are uh, completely changing the world's financial system if we get it right. And, and we're never going to get it right in the first instance. We are going to reiterate. We're going to redesign. And ultimately, this is, uh, this is going to take place. I and mean, it's going to happen. You can see there are um, proof of things which are going to come. So... Uh, for crypto, somebody who's listening to crypto for the first time, don't just look at the bad things. There is a lot of good stuff going on. The decentralization, it might not be good for everything, but it is pretty good for a lot of things. And I think we, we should take this journey as, as mankind, I guess. Uh, that's, a, that's a big word, but um, we should take this journey because this is the next step of evolution. Couldn't agree more. Honestly, great closing words of wisdom for us today. Couldn't really thank you enough, man. We had a great time, uh, learned a lot about a subject that we just really don't get to talk much about. So it was cool uh, kind of hopping over to the other side of the aisle and learning about the marriage between blockchain and artificial intelligence and seeing how kind of the future is going to unfold from your from your vantage point. So hopefully, you know, we bring you back on the show down the line with, with some more developments. That's great. Thank you, guys. Um, really enjoyed it. Thank you for all the, the questions. Uh, you know, really enjoyed answering. Take care. Thank you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.